It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. It's time for Make the Dough Rise. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Brian Doe, certified financial planner at Livingworth Wealth Advisors, serving you in the Lake Country and beyond with an office in Greensboro, Georgia. Find them online by going to livingworth.com. That's livingworth.com. Brian brings about two decades of experience in the financial services industry uh, to the table each and every episode, and he's been a certified financial planner since 2013. And Brian, great to be with you once again on the show today. I hear we're getting ready for a nerd out on today's show. I'm excited. Yeah, nerd alert. If you and, and actually, when I was listening to you say that, it has literally been two decades this month. Oh, we hit the mark. I, right. you, you nailed it. Yeah, you I can absolutely take out the about. It. No more about two decades. Precisely. All right. Two decades. Yeah. And it's been an interesting two decades and it started interesting and it's ending uh, interesting. <laughs> you have, uh, not, that, not that you're bookending uh, your career with two kind of bizarre uh, events and situations, but at least your two decades certainly bookended by wild times. That is certainly for sure. Uh, well, we've had a good couple of recent episodes here on the podcast and we talked a lot about the coronavirus and some of the fallout from that and where to go from, you know, from here in terms of investment. Some of the things to think about and consider. Today's show, I think we're going to get a little bit more technical. So, Brian, I know you kind of want to give that nerd alert in, in a joking way, but also a little bit serious to, to definitely acknowledge we're going to kind of really go kind of deep into some financial talk here. We're going to really get into some, I don't even know if these count as buzzwords, Brian, because buzzwords are usually the popular words that we hear. So this is really more like inside baseball, uh, industry lingo type range that we're reaching toward. But it's it, not just it, to try and make you sound smart. This is to, we're going to peel back the onion a little bit and, and help people understand and get educated today. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's technical measures that are um, very jargony, but they're not, like you said, not popularly known, but I do want to touch on them. And, and my warning or encouragement, I, I guess would be the better word, is to hang in there because if, well, if you're an engineer, mathematician, maybe you've had some medical statistical training or something like that, you'll understand all of these terms. But if you're fine arts and literature and social science and math just isn't your thing, I'm going to translate all of this into plain English and have been doing this uh, for a long time to help people really understand how to evaluate their portfolios. And this coronavirus and the crisis has laid bare maybe some of the weaknesses in your portfolio from a risk and volatility standpoint. And so I think it's really, it can be a timely topic because most people don't do this type of analysis or looking into their portfolio for a variety of reasons. Uh, not, not that it's well, the, the fact that it's somewhat difficult to begin with and then not knowing what you're looking for or where to find it. And we're going to help you with that today. We're going to look at this from a couple of different angles on today's show, and then we'll kind of continue this conversation into a future episode as well. Uh, but from a different perspective, a different side of the equation, we'll get more into that as we go later on into the show. Jargon was the word I was looking for there to start. Yeah. And that's that's why we kind of called the show It's All Greek to Me, because we are going to kind of run through the Greek alphabet a little bit in some of these terms that we dive into. But the important thing to take away, too, is that all of these little things are exactly what's going on 
kind of in that behind the scenes, the behind the curtain analysis, if you will, of your planning process, Brian, and how you're walking people through uh, preparing for retirement, analyzing their financial future. These are a lot of the metrics that you're then digging into, looking at and helping people kind of understand, uh, putting it into layman's terms for them to understand how it's working in their portfolio. So I love kind of seeing the marriage of all of those things come together. Yeah. And, and let me just take a minute to talk about how the industry has evolved because a lot of people will ask me what I do and I'll make some reference to investments, financial planning and things like that. And they're like, oh, you're a broker. I'm like, well, <laughs> not exactly. I said, that is a bit of a holdover term or title from the last century. And now there are still brokers out there. Any broker is a person who conducts a transaction for a fee and the value allegedly is in the transaction. Well, that value has largely eroded as we've moved to free commissions and very, very low cost access to stock markets and stock trades. And, and you know, Schwab went to zero commissions. Uh, TD uh, followed very quickly and I think everybody else is, is doing the same. So to say broker, you're really putting the value on the transaction. And what I want to do is figure out how to measure the value of the portfolio manager. And those are the metrics we'll talk about today. And then what we'll do is come back next time and we'll talk about the value that an advisor can actually add. And there, there's a whole uh, series of, of metrics and measures for that. But the industry loves to use the Greek alphabet to give all of these different metrics a name. So that's what we'll talk about today. Well, looking forward to uh, hearing some of those different metrics and how all of these different terms work. And again, we promise we're going to try and make this as easy to understand as possible. Uh, we'll give you kind of the, uh, the the heavy details, and then we'll peel it back and make it make sense as we go through. But I think that's the really important thing to kind of keep in mind here, Brian, is that you know we're going to strive so that anybody can understand this. You know, so whether you've never heard a financial podcast before and it's your first time tuning in, or if you're kind of a DIYer who loves to dig into the stuff, if you're the engineer type who likes uh, getting the nitty and gritty here. We're going to try and make the information as approachable as possible uh, to everybody. And I think that's one of the underlying you know, pieces, Brian, here that's a big deal or a problem is that so many people, I just don't think, have a good understanding of what's happening in the financial landscape as a whole, but also not even great knowledge of what's happening in their own financial plan. So let's break mm -hmm. it down and, and dive in. Yeah. So uh, where we start with our process, and, and this is one of the first exercises, initially we'll do some goal setting and try and define what people are trying to accomplish, obviously. But once we get to analyzing a client's investments and portfolio, we have an exercise and a worksheet we call Portfolio CPR. And I'll joke with people a little bit and ask, you know, does your portfolio need resuscitation? And <laughs> There are a lot of them out there that, that do because they've had a collection of things. Maybe they've had some 401ks over here and they've opened up a brokerage account over there and they bought a certain investment product from a broker and they sort of lay all this stuff on the table and we help them organize and do a cost performance and risk assessment of their portfolio. And so I think it's very helpful to get clear on what are you paying for? How much risk are you taking to get that return? And what kind of performance are you getting relative to that cost and risk? And so once we lay that out for people, 
and you know, calling it portfolio CPR makes it, uh, everybody knows what CPR is in the medical realm. And we just have adapted that to apply to their portfolio. So important, I think, to break these things down and the portfolio CPR as your starting point. Uh, I'm glad that that's where we begin and that we start diving into the diagnosis there. What are some of the things that go into that CPR and how are the things that we're going to talk about today related to the development of that? Yeah, well, well certainly the cost is one factor. And, we're, and we're, I'm not going to dwell on that one today, but obviously that's that's a, a big shocker or headline that people, once they actually look at funds that they have in their portfolio, maybe they have a 401k and they, they think they're not paying anything, but they're, they're oftentimes fees embedded into things. And that's one issue. Performance being the next, obviously people know what their high watermark was or what the low watermark was when the market goes up and down. They, have, they may be comparing themselves to the S&P 500, but they've never really looked at it through the prism of the risk metrics that an actual portfolio manager or a certified financial analyst would, would use. And legitimately, these numbers and the derivation of these numbers is the kind of stuff that you get into if you're getting a degree in finance or maybe a master's degree in financial analysis or if you're getting your certified financial analyst designation. You do have to know how to actually do the math and, and crunch these numbers. But each one of them, and I'll, let, me, let me list off a few of them here, alpha, beta, sigma, sharp ratio, and now gamma. So they've, they've largely used the Greek alphabet or symbols to represent these different risk measurements. You're, you're bringing back memories of fourth grade for me, Brian, when we learned the Greek alphabet to the tune as if Elvis Presley was singing it. Oh, are you going to pull that off for us right now? <laughs> we, should, we, should we break into song? Alpha, beta, gamma, delta, epsilon, theta, eta. <laughs> I didn't realize you brought such a talent to the uh, I, I won't, I won't the do the rest of the song. <laughs> no, that's great. That's Although great. I did like uh, Moon New Z. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I'll see myself out now. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we'll have a little uh, add-on at the a tag at the end of the show, and you can uh, you can do the, the whole performance Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so anyway, uh, 99% of investors just have no idea what these metrics are, that they exist, and, and they've never looked at their portfolio from this, this perspective. And it's important, I think, that you do because most people are, you know, so the 401k, for example, is one of the largest savings components for most people's retirement plans. Well, 401ks have very limited investment options. And they try to make it simpler and, and narrow down uh, the list of, of choices because when the list gets too long, people get overwhelmed by you know, having too many choices. And if they don't know how to pick investments in the first place, that just that makes it all the more complicated. But then by narrowing it down, you don't know whether the 401k provider has picked funds that are loaded with fees because there's a lot of revenue sharing and things that happen under the hood of a 401k that, that the investors don't, don't see. So you have to really pay attention to this and, and do the analysis on these investments. And I'm, I'm always very happy to help people pick investments on their 401k if they've got a new job or if they have an existing 401k it's really important to look at how much risk or volatility that you've got in those because a neglect will reveal itself in a down market 
And uh, if these things are hard to understand and hard to obtain in the first place, I, I, I just think it's all the more important to help people figure out how to find it and how to do it. Well, the Greek alphabet, you know, can be hard enough to learn on its own to then assign different metrics and meanings and analysis uh, to tie into those words and how it relates to our finances. It can be hard to obtain that knowledge and understand it for a lot of people. And that's why it's great news that we have you here to help guide us and understand a little bit more. So uh, you, you've kept me waiting, Brian. I'm, I'm curious. What do these things mean? I'm ready to learn. Yeah, sure. Well, let's, let's dig into it. This exercise can be applied uh, to individual securities, mutual funds uh, at the individual level or to a total portfolio. And uh, they used to be widely available on Google Finance. You could put in any fund symbol and all of this data used to be available and free. Today, you have to go digging for it a little bit. And the the, the number one spot I would recommend now is Morningstar. Now, to get the really detailed analysis at a portfolio level, you have to have a more uh, premium membership, or this is certainly something that we do at no initial, this is the initial evaluation that we do at no charge for clients that are interested in working with us. Uh, so if, if you want to tackle this and you want to go to Morningstar and look up all of, all of these metrics, go right ahead. Some of it's available on Yahoo Finance. Uh, although not all of it, but uh, again, Morningstar is it. And then we have a premium version of Morningstar where we can enter all the symbols of a portfolio and, and spit this out, not just at an individual investment level, but at your overall portfolio level. And so the first m measure that we're looking at is alpha. Well, this is the small alpha, looks like a little sideways squiggle. So alpha measures the manager value added. So if you have hired an active manager to run the portfolio, make the investment decisions, select the investments that went in there, you're going to pay a fee for that. So if you paid a fee for someone to make better investment selections for you on an active basis, did they actually add value above a low cost passive index? So alpha quite simply is manager value added. Did you get what you paid for when you hired somebody to actively pick the stocks for you. All right, and that, and that could sense. be applicable to bonds as well. Stocks, okay. bonds, REITs, whatever. They, each one of those can have a, an alpha. The alpha can apply to multiple metrics, multiple investments. Correct. Correct. Okay. And, and, and like I said, it's, just, it's quite simply manager value added. You, you paid somebody for something. Did you actually receive something positive for that? So a positive alpha means, hey, you, you got some extra return by paying this person to, or this team to, to manage the portfolio. If your alpha is negative, you're actually paying somebody to do worse than the index. So a negative alpha is a big warning sign. That's not a, uh, a hard one to figure out there, Brian. So alpha, we want positive equals good. Alpha negative, not good. They're simple as that. I told you we'd, we'd convert <laughs> this into plain English. That's right. Okay. Makes sense. All right. So, so next, beta, uh, as you pointed out earlier, this is a measure of market correlation. Well, what does that mean? That means if the market goes up by one point, your portfolio, if it has a beta of one, also goes up by one point. If your beta is one and a half and the market goes up one point, you would expect your portfolio to go up one and a half points with a 1.5 beta. The catch is it's also true on the downside. So if the 
point uh, the uh, beta of one and the market goes down one, you, well, you're going to go down about as much as the market does. If you have a high beta, 1.5 or two or something like that, you're going to go down one and a half to two times as much, or you should expect to go down that much. Now, I've given you the example of the one and the and higher betas, but there are actually low beta portfolios. So if you're in uh, in accumulation mode and you're adding dollars to your portfolio for the next you know decade or two, a high beta portfolio is actually mathematically can work to your advantage. That higher volatility, when the market goes down, you're buying more shares, and when it goes up, you're getting more of the upside. In an accumulation mode, high beta can be good. But in distribution mode, if you are retired, you're in income mode, you want your portfolio to last, you're looking for a lower beta. You want the stability. You want less volatility. You want to sleep well at night. So a lower correlation to the market is helpful because if the market is down, you know, 10%, wouldn't it be better to be down half of that? And the, the same will apply on the upside. If the market's up, you're not going to get all of the upside, but you reach a point where uh, capital preservation and predictability and security is more important than getting the maximum upside. So beta uh, just measures, you know, if, if you're on the ride of, of the market ups and downs, how much of that do you want to participate in? All of, more of, or less of? And beta is your measure for that. Smaller the beta, the more stable, and the larger, the more volatile. Easy yeah. way to kind of describe it. What's typical, just out of curiosity, what would a typical, I mean, is there such a thing as typical beta, or is it really all over the spectrum? Well, so the market, and let's use the S&P 500 or a, you know, a, a Russell 1000 index, that usually serves as your base mark for a beta of one. So the, the market is a 1.0. And if you take out the less aggressive investments and keep the more aggressive investments, that's how you increase the beta. And if you eliminate the more aggressive or more volatile investments and keep the more conservative ones, that gets you a lower beta. And it's... Um, if you bought a broad market index, you should expect to have a beta of one. You, you are buying the market. And so while passive, low cost, low turnover investing can be a very good thing, just realize by being the market, you're, you're getting all of the market risk. Makes a lot of sense. So that's an easy one to kind of understand. We've got the positive and the negative of the alpha. We've got the beta telling us about volatility, higher numbers, more volatility, lower numbers, less volatility in the market basically is defined as the one there. And so we can just kind of revolve around that number to help you understand a little bit what the beta looks like. I can start to see a little bit here, Brian, how, okay, you take these different metrics, the volatility of the beta, uh, what kind of value your, you know, the manager of your funds or of your money might be adding by looking at the alpha, I can start to get a, uh, a picture of where we're going here, of how we're going to be able to assess portfolio health, uh, mm -hmm. performance, and you know analyze things like risk. I can start to see how that comes together now, but I know we've got a few more to dive into. Yeah. So uh, let's take a look at the next one. Sigma, or actually Sigma squared, if you're really a statistics, and this is the lowercase Sigma, capital Sigma is summation. Uh, in portfolio management world, the lowercase sigma is standard deviation. And so 
if you are looking at, think about this as a volatility measure. So, so how volatile is your portfolio relative to the, the standard deviation? This is, could be a close cousin to uh, beta, but it's just a, different, a slightly different way of looking at it. As opposed to pure market correlation, it's, it's just looking at, separate from the market, how volatile is your portfolio? So what, are, what is the best up year, the worst down year, best up three years, worst down three years. And you can derive a measure of volatility, which is standard deviation. And that tells you how, how wild the ride might be or how much, if, if you were drawing a chart, a chart with a very uh, jagged up and down, up and down uh, kind of pattern to it would be a high standard deviation portfolio. And one that's more smooth and, and steady climb uh, would be a low standard deviation portfolio. A rough market metric for standard deviation on the S&P 500 is about 17 to 19 is, is the, the measurement that comes out. And so w- what that means is if you have uh, a one standard deviation event, you would expect the market to be up or down 17 to 18%. Uh, I think that's like half the time. And then 95% of the time you get one or two standard deviations. And I'm getting a little too deep into the statistics here, maybe for some people. But but if you had a two standard deviation event, you would expect the market to be up, you know, 30, 35% or down 30, 35%. And, and what we're seeing right now would be a two standard deviation event. Interesting. All right. So sigma squared, close cousin of beta, but just kind of looking at it from a new angle and a different perspective. And a lot of that sounds like it's set by that timeline, the, the up and down, the three-year timeline is kind of help what puts that sigma squared measure into kind of its own category, its own box. Yeah, you, you can measure it on one year. You can measure it on three years, five years, 10 okay. years. And I think obviously the longer term that you look at that, uh, that can give you some indication of how volatile your portfolio is. And again, just like beta, this can be used to your advantage. If you're an accumulator, you might want a higher standard deviation because that volatility works in your favor when you're adding to your portfolio. Then when you're in distribution mode, you want to drive that number down as low as possible okay. and still achieve your objectives, obviously. So alpha, beta, sigma, what's the next item? Well, so we don't necessarily have a Greek uh, letter for this one, but I think this oh, one is, too bad. yeah, sorry. <laughs> we, this, this, this is an, an amalgamation of, of all the other Greek soup that we've got here. And, and you end up with a measure called sharp ratio. And this is a return. How much return did you get relative to the risk that you took. So think about it like this. I call this measure miles per gallon. You're gonna drive a certain distance, you're gonna achieve a certain result. How much gas did you burn to get there? And what we're trying to do is to put together a hybrid. We, we want the, the Toyota Prius here. We, we wanna burn as little gas as possible, risk, and get as far as possible, return. So sharp ratio is miles per gallon. How much risk did you take? How far did it get you? And if, you're, if, if you want the ultimate performance, now that we have Tesla on the scene, then that would be your, your high performance uh, sharp ratio. 
Hmm. So it's kind of like uh, I gave a friend a hundred bucks uh, to invest in his business, and it it turned into something real big. And I I didn't really take much of a risk there, but hey, I got a nice reward out of it and got a good return on it. Versus I you know mortgaged my house to start a business, and yes, it worked out, and I I was able to make money, and I have a career from it now. But boy, we uh, we really took some risk to get to that point. Is that kind of a well, not necessarily like okay. that. I mean, you, you would have to go back and measure the alpha and the beta and the standard deviation of that business to derive how much risk you took. See, so uh, all of all of these things come together to actually allow you to take the temperature of the, the riskiness of the investment. And I would argue you took single security risk, you took liquidity risk, you, and in your second example, you, you leveraged that with debt. So you're, you're actually talking about a very high risk investment. And so if it returned a lot, well, you took a lot of risk, but you got a lot of return. So your sharp ratio would actually be positive. But if you took a lot of risk and that business failed and you lost your money, then, then your sharp ratio would be very low. So uh, a municipal bond or a CD or a money market type fund is going to have a very low risk. And you're probably going to end up with a low or slightly positive sharp ratio because you, you got the return that you expected. It's on the more speculative investments where if you took a lot of risk, did you get rewarded for it? And, and that's what this indicator will measure. Now, if you did not take a lot of risk and you still got you know, decent returns, that, that's fine. But for people who are more aggressive or speculative in their investments and they're doing single securities or uh, illiquid investments, then this, this sharp ratio can be quite helpful to say, gosh, you know, I stressed myself out and I tied up my money and I, I went with these uh, high roller type investments. Did I actually receive a return relative to how much risk I took? Fascinating. All right. So the sharp ratio really takes into account, like you said, so far, all of the uh, pieces that we've talked about, the other uh, elements of the Greek alphabet that we threw in there, the alpha, beta, and the sigma to give us an overall number. And then is that kind of the, the last step? Is that the most important thing for investors, savers, retirees to be looking at in their investments? Is that sharp ratio or is there still additional analysis to be done? Eh, there's a little more, but I, okay. let's, let's not go there. Okay. All right. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about R squareds. If uh, if you really want to talk about it, uh, give me a call. We can go a little further. But no, those are those are the big ones, and these are the ones that you can find these metrics on. Um, you can go put in a quote for Morningstar, and you can get these metrics uh, for a actively managed mutual fund. You can get them for an individual stock, and that'll at least give you some kind of sense of how risky of an investment that you're taking, or if it was an actively managed fund, did the, the manager actually add some value to that? So uh, there's far more measurement and analysis and, and, and statistics that you could get into, but this is sufficient for the average person to go look at and at least understand if they're getting good value for their money. And if you wanna do this on a total portfolio level, then obviously that's, that's one of the first things I do with a prospective client in helping them figure out, can I add value to what they're doing? Well, let's, let's look at what you have currently and was this by design or did you come up with the, the portfolio that you have by accident? And overwhelmingly it's by accident. They, they, they picked some stuff and certain things did well and they, they had a limited uh, menu of choices to pick from. And so I, I, I helped shed light on whether or not 
that's a good mix. And then we can compare the, the risk that they're taking and the past performance of that portfolio to their goals and say, is this a good match? And if it's not a good match, then what, what changes need to be made and, and how can you go about you know, getting to that, that Prius or the Tesla or the optimal portfolio design that, that's going to get you where you need to go? How funny is it that we have these tools at our disposal? I mean, anybody can go and look at these these metrics and these pieces that might lead us to better decisions, yet, uh, you know, what, uh, a tenth of a percent of us actually go and look at those before choosing our investments? Most of us just I, go off I would of be, gut and feel. Yeah, I, I, I generously, I, I would be surprised if it's that high. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, all of those things really, though, are kind of, we're talking about them in the context of, uh, of a DIY person, right? This is if me, I want to go and make some investments, I can go look up the alpha, beta, sigma, sigma squared, sharp ratios, and try to draw some conclusions and, you know, make some choices in my portfolio there. But mm-hmm. we haven't really dabbled in the world of, all right, Brian, I don't know if I want to go and do that for every single investment I've got and try and figure those things out. Where are you using these metrics as, as an advisor to somebody, or do you kind of go even deeper than that. Yeah, well, so I, I, I use all of those to select investments. With, if I use an active investment or if I'm putting together a portfolio of actively managed mutual funds, passively managed uh, exchange traded funds, and then in, I, I'll use a few individual stocks or bonds here and there. So I do this analysis quarterly on all of my portfolios and you know, just make sure that you know, these, these metrics aren't getting out of line relative to the client's goal or you know, and I've had the same conversation with certain clients, you know, every year or every couple of years, they're like, well, you know, the, the S&P did this and my portfolio did, you know, why? And what, what's the difference again? And I, I'll kind of go back through this and explain, you know, we've taken less risk here and we've, you know, sidelined some cash there and you're not a hundred percent in the market. And, you know, there are some costs to doing this. So we, we, it, it really helps people understand if, if they're missing out in an up market, it makes them feel a little better. I don't think it makes them feel 100% better. But man, when the market goes down, they suddenly love all the cash and risk management and uh, you know, low market correlations and betas that we've applied. So it's never ever anything that I expect somebody to you know, fully comprehend. And I will do multiple laps around to, to remind people of, uh, of these measures in good markets and bad. Well, all of them are certainly helpful uh, to analyze our financial situation and get a little bit understanding, a little bit better understanding of what's going on uh, to kind of use your, your car analogies there with the Tesla and the SUV and the hybrid, uh, get an understanding of what's under the hood of our investments and of our portfolio. Uh, so what's left? What else needs to be added to this equation? So Gamma was developed by Morningstar in about 2013. And this is a way of actually measuring the value that your advisor can bring above and beyond the portfolio. Now, the portfolio is part of that, no doubt, but uh, I think we'll save this for later and we'll do a deep dive into Gamma and we'll talk about asset allocations and product types and withdrawal strategies and, and tax optimization that, that all goes into this metric of Gamma because it's very relevant. It's very important that people not just look at the risk metrics and performance of their portfolio, but actually look at how do I evaluate my advisor? Because if you're paying a fee, just like alpha, are you getting good value for the advisor advice that you're getting? And a lot of advisors in the past have tended to focus purely on the value of 
Well, like the brokers, it's a, the value was supposed to be in the transaction. Well, that's all free now. If the value is in the portfolio, well, you can get a lot of that with very low cost uh, exchange traded funds and, and passive investing. So really it has to go to what value can an advisor bring to the table with their expertise, not just in finance and investments, but all of the topics. And we've, we've got an 11 critical years spectrum that we go through that involves you know, your personal goals, your portfolio, all of the programs that you have to encounter like social security claiming and Medicare and IRA distribution planning and estate planning, and, and then ultimately the protections. What types of uh, protections and insurances do you need to put in place to make sure you achieve your goals, extend the longevity of your portfolio, and make sure you don't run, run out of money in the process? Fantastic. Well, I look forward to diving into Gamma a little bit more. It deserves, I think, kind of its own show to dive into and uh, get some better understanding of it and uh, kind of zoom out a little bit. We've we've zoomed in on this episode. This is the way I'm reading it, at least, Brian. We've been zoomed in on this episode, looking at different metrics to measure individual investments kind of on the, the smaller scale, the pieces, uh, the smaller pieces and details of your portfolio, which is certainly helpful and great to do. Uh, but then we also need to zoom out and get the full picture. And we'll be able to do that on uh, the next episode when we talk about Gamma in a little bit more depth. And I look forward to the value that we'll be able to add there for folks, Brian. It's kind of maybe a final word on today's episode, though, as we look at these different things like Alpha, Beta, and Sigma, and Sharp. I mean, that can certainly scare somebody away, right? I mean, some people don't like to get that detailed. So can you take me a little bit inside the room or in today's world, um, inside the virtual room when you're meeting with clients and talking to folks about putting together financial plans. I mean, how drilled down you truly are getting in your conversations with folks. And if, if people just don't want to mess with getting this deep into it and detailed, is that an option? Uh, where do these really come up in your conversations? Well, let's compare it to a, a medical diagnosis. You know, if you, if you have some medical condition and, uh, you know, certainly you want to know what is it, what does it mean? Uh, what are the treatment options? What does success look like? And do you have confidence then in your doctor? You know, may, he may not go all the way down into you know the the nitty gritty of what's happening at the the microscopic level, but at least having an understanding of what the issue is or what the problem is, what the treatment is, and what your likelihood of success is. Most people would like to know that in in a medical environment, and we just basically apply the same thing. And, and that's, that's kind of why I used portfolio CPR as the uh, uh, acronym for what we do, because it's a diagnostic look. And like I said, if you'll bring in statements, a uh, list of holdings, I can very easily make short work of this for you. And we'll do the heavy lifting. We'll, we'll put all the, look up all the symbols and get it in the morning star. And we can generate a report that will give you then this number of metrics, market relative performance, best, you know, upside and downside capture. There, there's all kinds of things to that. And uh, you don't have to try and sort this out yourself. This is what we do day in and day out. And we can make a hour or two's work out of what might require years of study for someone to try to do by, their, by themselves. 
Yeah, I think it's so Im- uh, so important to kind of just make sure that the communication is is clear. But it's nice that you are able to meet folks kind of where they where they need to be met or where they want to be met and communicate with them in in those different ways. And uh, you, you want to see you know how the sausage gets made. Well, here's how it happens. <laughs> but if you just want to understand that you're in good shape, and we just want you to know that there's a kind of a method to the madness. I think is maybe what makes a lot of people comfortable. Yeah, I don't I don't think anybody has the the physical boxes anymore. People used to come into the office with a box and they had a bunch of securities and statements and all that kind of stuff. Right. So much is digital now. You can log on and you know put a statement in, in Dropbox or something <laughs> like that. And we, we, we can Brian, absolutely. I, I just this morning before we started recording was helping my mom find her online statements. And then when she got to it, she said, uh, Oh, this is what I get in the mail. <laughs> I was and like, she's oh, got them in a box on you're, her. Uh, you're one of those people. You still get it in right. the mail. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, there's there's some peace of mind to having you know maybe an annual statement in, in hard copy, but yeah, the, yeah, everything's digital now. And if you can get online. Uh, or if you haven't gotten online in a while and, and want some help with that, we'll sit down and walk people through all that and help them gather up everything. And man, I, I, the stress level goes down and whether they fully understand it or not, again, like a, a doctor, you get a sense of whether somebody knows what they're doing or not. And at a certain point, people will get comfortable that, okay, I, I may not under, understand this completely, but you know, clearly I'm with somebody that, that does. And that, that's the feeling that you should have with with any advisor that you work with. If they'll educate you to the point where you're comfortable and then you're okay handing it off and, and letting them do their job, that's, uh, that's the ideal scenario. Well, if you need some help, need some guidance, want to talk to Brian a little bit more in depth about your own plan, about your investments, um, have him explain to you a little bit more about what uh, you know the alpha and the beta and the sigma and those other things that we talked about on today's show are and how they impact your particular plan. Or if you've never really gone through that kind of analysis before, it's all part of the CPR, uh, the portfolio CPR, and get that great portfolio diagnosis Find out more about your portfolio performance and the risks that you're taking. That really just scratches the surface of all that Brian can help you look at when it comes to your finances and your retirement plan. For the rest of all of the different things that Brian's looking at, uh, that's the gamma. That's what we're going to talk about on the next episode. But if you want to go ahead and talk to Brian about your own situation, you can reach out. A great way to do it is to check the show notes of today's show, the description. We're going to put a link in there to Brian's calendar where you can go schedule a time to talk and have a discovery session. That will include a free portfolio CPR exercise. So the opportunity to go through that portfolio CPR process and uh, get that look under the hood of your financial plan. The link directly, by the way, is calendly.com slash BDO. That's B-D-O-E. Calendly.com slash B-D-O-E. And again, that link will be in the show notes of today's show. So it'll be easy for you to find. And um, that is going to be a, a great resource for a lot of people to tap into, Brian, for those who want to get a little bit deeper deeper into understanding their own portfolio and situation. Any other, uh, can we also give them, maybe you mentioned the Morningstar snapshot. Uh, w- would you be willing to share that for folks who want to see that as well and get some details, Brian? Yeah. And, and let me just encourage, if, if somebody out there is, is listening and they're like, oh, you know, I, I don't want to book an appointment. I don't want to be hard sold something. Uh, th- this is not it at all. I actually enjoy doing this. And can make very short work out of it. So this truly is just meant to be a offering that we can do with a prospective client or somebody that's new that uh, maybe they don't have a good handle on things and they just want to see is, is what I've 
have working and, and is it going to work going forward? We will do the portfolio CPR exercise, which is just basically a gathering of your statements and inventory of your investments. Uh, and again, I'll do all the, the heavy lifting there. You just have to show up with the, with the statements. And then I will, yes, run it through the Morningstar snapshot so that you will get your whole portfolio look at all of these risk metrics as well. So you can do it individual security level, and then I'll help you do it for your whole portfolio. Very cool. Again, if you want to get in touch and schedule that time to meet with Brian, just go to calendly.com slash B-D-O-E, and we'll put that link in the show notes of today's episode so it's also easy for you to find. Well, Brian, thanks for the help and for uh, guiding us along the way as we went through this uh, Greek alphabet soup of terminology and jargon, but I think made it easy and boiled it down into some easy-to-understand terms, and I feel like I learned something today, so I'm going to call that a win and a, a nice accomplishment. Very good. And and I also enjoyed the uh, little musical interlude that we had there with the Greek alphabet that you provided. Should we do the whole thing? Only if you'll join me and, and we can do the whole thing. I'll practice for next time. Okay, there we go. When, when we bust out the Gamma episode, we'll be ready to perform. How about that? There you go. Perfect. <laughs> That's a tease if I've ever heard one right there. So yeah. come back on the next episode and you might hear, I'm not going to commit to it 100%, but you might hear uh, Brian and I do the full Greek alphabet in Elvis style. We'll, we'll see. We'll make that a definite maybe. <laughs> a definite maybe. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thanks, Brian. We appreciate the help as always, and uh, we'll talk to you in the next episode. All right. Thanks, Walter. All right. For Brian Doe, I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for being with us. Hope you had some fun and learned a little bit on today's show. Don't ever hesitate to reach out with your feedback for us. You can get in touch via phone if you prefer as well. 706-451-9800 is the number to call to get in touch with Brian. 706-451-9800. And we'll look forward to talking to you next time right back here on Make the Dough Rise. Make the Dough Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit MakeTheDoughRise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team, just go to MakeTheDoughRise.com and get in touch through the website. Or call 706-451-9800. Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.